Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the School for School Counselors podcast. I'm so glad that you're back here with me for episode number, I think, 44. I've kind of lost count as we've been going through these, but I think we're about at number 44. This week, we are coming up on Teacher Appreciation Week. There seems to be a little bit of confusion this year. Teacher Appreciation Week is falling at a time that's not normally expected. So a lot of folks are confused, but no matter which week your campus is celebrating, if they are celebrating, there's a phenomenon during this week that's kind of unique to school counselors. And so that's what I want to talk about today in this episode. Before I jump in, I just want to remind you, if you've been a listener of the podcast or if you're a new listener, hello, we're so glad you're here. Would you take a minute and hit subscribe to the podcast just so your platform knows that you're enjoying it and you'd like to receive our episodes as they're released? And then would you go and leave us a quick review if you're in Apple Podcasts or leave us a rating in your other podcast platforms of choice? Guys, that's the machine that keeps the podcast world going, and it's so super important that uh, those platforms recognize that you're enjoying what we're putting out. It's going to recommend it to other people. And that's ultimately how we collectively can come together to help our friends and colleagues. It's a pretty cool process, and all it involves from you is a quick review and a rating. So I appreciate you ahead of time. Thank you for supporting us and for supporting our mission here at School for School Counselors. Today, I want to talk about the perception of school counselors as teachers on campus. Not all of you have this concern, but I think that most of us at one time or another get lumped into this category, right? We're in that weird middle ground. We're not always considered administrators. We are when it's convenient, but not always at other times. And then we're considered teachers at other times. And our jobs are really kind of amorphous, right? We just kind of, you know, move around and and glob onto this group or glob onto that group as reality dictates. So when we celebrate Teacher Appreciation Week, school counselors are often included in these celebrations even though our jobs are very, very different than the jobs that our teachers are doing. Now, some teachers might take exception to that description, but you guys know we deal with a lot of stuff that no one on campus even knows about. Lots of things handled confidentially, behind closed doors, that we don't talk about. And so I'm not saying this to disparage teachers. They have a super important job and nothing for nothing. It's just about one of the hardest jobs on the planet right now. Education is becoming more difficult by the day and we're really weeding out the folks who don't have a true passion for it because you have to have a true passion to continue as a teacher right now. So not talking down the teachers at all. I love what is happening in classrooms every single day. I was a teacher for a long time myself, but Our jobs as school counselors are different. We have different responsibilities. We have different job functions. And we're working on different things. Mental health-oriented concerns, social concerns, emotional development, right? Academic planning, making sure everybody's got things on time. 
that they're going to be able to graduate, all those kinds of things. And so while it's nice to be included in Teacher Appreciation Week, I'm going to include myself in that category. And I have to be honest, I'm really looking forward to all of the lunches and treats and goodies that are coming out. We also want to find a way to sort of set ourselves apart from all of this because there are some consequences if we continue recognizing school counselors as teachers on campuses. So let's dive in. Your principal may or may not view you as adjunct teaching staff, right? Many of you have prescribed schedules for teaching. You have a specific expectation of the number of lessons that must be delivered. Many of you are even in master schedules, in specials rotations. And the majority of your day operates like a teacher's day operates, which is unfortunate for a couple of reasons. But why do principals even do that to school counselors? What's the payoff, right? What's the rationale? behind that. I think one may be the emphasis on academic progress, high stakes testing, right? Progress at any cost. That is definitely the way that the education world works right now. And, you know, for a long time, our primary role was as academic advisors. And so we may have principals operating in our schools that learned that model as they were becoming administrators themselves, and they just can't shake it. But I think more to the point might be when we're looking for quick academic gains, we're looking for quick fixes, because this data game in schools does not support the idea of incremental growth, right? It's all year to year. Year one, year two, did we grow? Great. We didn't? Oh, no, now you're in trouble. There's there's not a lot of room to expand that out any further beyond that. And so if principals have been conditioned to not be looking at that long game, right, maybe they don't have the patience for it. Maybe it's hard to stay committed to the goal. Maybe just their personality doesn't lend itself to being able to see long term. Then they're going to be looking to you for quick gains. And in their mind, a classroom lesson is going to supply a quick win. I think another thing we need to think about is something that I've said before. The school counseling world is really in a state of flux right now. We are transitioning from the old guidance model of counseling into our new models of mental health, social emotional support. And a lot of people are having trouble reconciling that transition in their minds. I think a lot of our administrators don't understand the extent of our training or the extent of our expertise when it comes to mental health education, especially with all of the memes and articles and one-liners traveling around social media and things like that. It makes it sound like anybody can be a therapist. Anybody can be a coach. Mental health is easily understood, right? (laughs) I don't know if it bothers you to see those things as much as it bothers me, but, you know, if mental health were that simple, we wouldn't need therapists. We wouldn't need school counselors, right? 
but I think um, a lot of our administrators don't really understand the intricate world of mental health, how delicate that can be and how things are handled because they're not in the counseling office with us when we're working with students. And I think third, and I'm just going to call this one out because I think it's very real. I think we have a lot of administrators out there on campuses who are just letting their egos get in the way. Administrators want to be, you know, the be-all, end-all on their campuses, and they should be, okay, because the buck stops with them. Whatever goes wrong eventually lands at their feet, right? They have to take responsibility for that. I think sometimes administrators feel a little bit threatened by the fact that we know a lot about what's going on behind the scenes. I think it feels intimidating to know that your school counselor has access to details that you don't have access to. And in all fairness, if I were a principal, I don't know that I would love that either. But it's just, you know, it's the way the cookie crumbles. That's just the way the job is built. And two, I think we have a lot more positive interactions with students than principals do. Often their job is very punitive. It's running interference. It's de-escalating disagreements and things like that. And we get a lot more of the positive side. It doesn't feel like it every day, does it? But we often get more of the positive side of those interactions. And so I think this ego piece is definitely something that we need to consider as we're thinking through this situation. When our administrators see us as teachers on campus or an extension of their teaching staff, it's causing role confusion for us. It's causing role confusion for our students who aren't really sure, like, do they approach us as a teacher? Are we something else? They're not really sure. Parents and faculty members may not understand what kinds of services we can provide, what are the things that we can offer to make life a little bit easier for them. Going with that is just our professional identities. We have a distinct identity on campus. We have a distinct skill set and the way that we approach problem solving. When we get saddled with a whole bunch of extra stuff, a whole bunch of extra teaching duties or extra jobs on campus not related to our role, sometimes that leads people to just kind of assume that we aren't as qualified to provide counseling as we are to provide these other random things, right? So we got to be real careful with the professional identity piece. And then piggybacking off of that, it's going to lead to a reduced focus on counseling, right? For us, because we're just not able to get out there and do the work for administrators because it fits very nicely into their schedule to allow them to appease their teachers give them breaks and conference periods and things like that without having to worry about finding other people to cover those. And it just begins to change the perception of what our job on our campuses really is. And once those changes stick, it's really hard to undo them, right? Some of you are in those situations right now and you know exactly what I am talking about. I think ultimately here, the problem is with this role confusion with this misunderstanding of what our professional identities should be and how much time we should be focusing on counseling, which is most of it, we lose our seats at the administrative table. There are important decisions being made on the fly. When we're trapped in classrooms, we're not able to be part of those conversations. 
And then decisions are made where we're not able to effectively advocate for students. We're not able to effectively be the voice for student groups or subgroups that really need to be heard and supported. And at the end of the day, that to me is the biggest consequence. When the misperception of our role leads to us not being able to serve students and give them what they need, I feel it's heartbreaking. I just, I, I don't understand it. But, you know, there's a lot that goes into this, as, as you've heard. So what can we do? <laughs> At the end of the day, what do we do? If we're being lumped in with all of these teachers, if we're being considered adjunct teaching staff, what do we do? How can we address this? How can we try to turn the boat around a little bit in this little channel? Here are some things we can try. Number one, establishing a collaborative relationship with our school administrators. This one takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of patience. And it takes a lot of your counseling skills. You're going to have to figure out a way that you can meet regularly with your administrators to talk about what's going on in your program What's going on with relation to student progress and needs? And I mean, like, in a general sense, not individual students, but just kind of a 30,000-foot view of what's going on in the school. Maybe asking them for their feedback. Maybe, you know, stroking that ego a little bit and asking them to give you some input and insight into what you're doing. Remember, we always say education leads to competence, right? Competence leads to confidence. Confidence leads to clout. We talk about that all the time in our School for School Counselors Mastermind, how we're starting at that education piece. We're really supporting our members and building their school counseling fluency. So it's not that they don't know these concepts. It's not that they don't understand them. But have you ever had something on the tip of your tongue that you knew you needed to describe, but you just couldn't find the words to do it? Essentially, what we're doing in our support and consultation chats each week is we are rehearsing for those conversations. We're geeking out about all these different things. We're collaborating. We're inspiring one another with our next steps on campus, but we're also rehearsing so that as we gain this education to build competence, we're building our confidence. And when we're able to speak with authority on campus, when we're able to jump in at a moment's notice and make sense, that's when we start to develop clout. And that's part of that collaborative relationship. So that's number one, establishing a collaborative relationship with your administrators. Number two, we need to do a better job of communicating the impact of our counseling services. We can provide the data that's needed to show how we're impacting academic achievement, what we're doing to boost attendance rates, how student social emotional development is progressing on campus. We can provide the information for all of that. If you're not tracking that information yet, don't feel bad. Don't get upset. There's an easy way to start. But as we do that, as we're collecting all these pieces of data and we're compiling them, in a way that makes sense, where we can present and really show an impact on campus, 
it's going to make people realize like, oh, you know, they do a lot more than just teaching these tier one lessons, right? There's a whole lot more going on in this program. Or if you're one of those folks that's tied down into this micromanaged schedule all day long, you're going to be able to demonstrate the need to be released from that scheduling. And so that's super important. We are going to be running a new data cohort starting in the fall in our mastermind, and we're up in the ante on that one. We are not just tracking use of time data. We're trying to focus on all the major categories of school counseling data. We are working on some intentionality pieces, making those habits really stick, as well as some accountability across our cohort. It's going to be a phenomenal experiment in the fall. We would love to have you join us in that data cohort if you need some help jumpstarting your data collection. So first, we have establishing those collaborative relationships. Second, communicating the impact of our counseling services. Next, a way that we can distinguish ourselves from our teaching staff is by providing professional development. We can provide it for our staff as well as our administrators on mental health topics, social-emotional learning topics, college and career readiness all those different kinds of things. Try to get on the calendar for next year's staff meetings, for next year's professional development, or find other ways to provide that information if you can't get a spot. And some administrators already have their stuff planned out for the next year. So if there's no time left, try to figure out how to schedule regular emails to your staff to inform or teach them about topics of interest on your campus? How can you provide some notes for them along the same line that can help guide them in a journey of learning about what you do or about some social-emotional topics? Drop-ins for staff to come into your office, having an open-door policy where they can come in and talk through issues. Again, it's kind of to that issue of confidence and clout, right? If you're able to speak to it in the moment when they walk in your office, it's going to go a long way toward them understanding the level of your expertise. Schedule these interventions intentionally. Schedule these emails, these notes, these drop-in office hours, staff meeting presentations, professional development presentations. Schedule them intentionally. And then hold yourself to them. That sounds simple, but we often overlook that piece, right? We think, oh man, yeah, I'm going to do some professional development for my staff next year. And then we just somehow never get around to it because we get busy, we get tied up in other things, and then we just keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. So schedule it intentionally and then hold yourself to it. I think if you try some of these things, it's really going to help build recognition for you on campus. It's really going to make people sit up and take note that you're different than a teacher. You're not more important than a teacher, but your work is different. And as such, your roles, your responsibilities on campus need to be different also. As you go into this journey, you'll notice one thing that was obviously very absent in my list of things that you can do. In establishing these collaborative relationships, communicating the impact of your services, providing professional development, and collaborating with your school staff, one thing that was noticeably absent 
was the topic of advocacy. And let me tell you why I skipped that one, because some of you are going, you've got to advocate for your programs. Why have you not mentioned that? Here's why. I know of so many school counselors who are working on campuses where advocacy is simply not safe. It is dangerous for them to stick their necks out to advocate for their programs. It is interpreted as them only being interested in helping themselves, not being part of the greater good, not being a team player. I bet you've heard all of those excuses before. It can be pretty dangerous for some folks. I think advocacy is not a bad thing, right? It could be counselor to administrator advocacy. It could be things like attending school board meetings, writing articles to go home in the school newsletter, or talking with community stakeholders somehow about the importance of your school counseling program and what you're achieving within it. Just kind of raising your profile a little bit and making everyone aware. There's nothing wrong with that unless you're in the wrong environment. And one major concern that I have for this, and I'm just going to call it a gross push for advocacy in our field right now, is that the conversation is very one-sided. The advocacy conversation tends to go like, collect your data, show it to your principal, advocate for your role. You have to prove your worth. You have to demonstrate your need for what you're asking for. It's all on you. It's on your shoulders. Now get in there and make it happen. At least that's always how I've interpreted most of the advocacy advice that I've heard in my school counseling career. And I think it's completely backwards. I think that we certainly need to be advocating for our programs, but we need to be insured of some relative safety. And if you don't have a strong base of support behind you, particularly if you work in a right-to-work state, meaning you're not allowed to unionize, or if school counselors aren't part of your unions where you live, there is a definite concern for your own professional safety. And so I think it's a little reckless just to keep tossing out this advocate-at-all-costs advice to people when it may not necessarily be the best track. Now, I could go on and on about this. We could end up with, you know, an eight-hour-long episode on Steph's view on school counseling advocacy, but I'll try to make it short and sweet. The upshot is this. My opinion is that our... (laughs) is that most of our national and state school counseling organizations are operating more like social media influencers and less like representative professional organizations. I'm just going to be honest about it. And that's my own perception. As we look at the feeds and information coming out from all of these organizations, we see lots of pictures of people dressed up in fancy dresses, going to banquets, going to award ceremonies, going to recognition events. And then we see a lot of information about workshops, continuing education, professional development, and we see hardly anything posted about legislative advocacy, about presentations being made to school board organizations, 
to school administrator organizations, to state legislators, to anything like that. And it's a shame. It's a real shame because the burden now of this advocacy concern is being cast on the shoulders of school counselors who are not in control of their environments. So again, I'm going to leave that one there. I probably have... (laughs) probably made a few people angry by saying that. And again, I'll say that's just my opinion. But I think we really need to take a a hard look at how we are asking school counselors to advocate and what tools we are providing them to do so. Because I think we have it really, really backwards. All right, my friend, that was a mouthful about school counselors being seen as teachers on campus. You need to know you play an invaluable role on your campus, even if you are trapped in that classroom every day teaching tier one lessons. And really, some of you may not even feel trapped. You may really enjoy it. And no shade there because it's an important job. But at the end of the day, you need the ability to pivot. You need the ability to be agile, to meet your students' needs and be responsive in the moment. And when you're viewed as a teacher, you likely don't have the latitude to be able to do that. I want you to know that I notice what you do, and I'm very invested in your work. I hope you can tell by all the things we're doing in our School for School Counselors world in an effort to support you, to empower you, and to educate you throughout this journey. You are so important in creating a supportive school culture, You are so important in helping your students thrive, whether you're looking at academics, whether you're looking at social relationships, whether you're looking at emotional and mental health. So I want to tell you thank you for all that you do, for all that you think about, all the worries that wake you up in the middle of the night, all of the things that you do that no one else notices. Because I'll bet there's a lot of those. I want you to know, I know, I'm working full-time as a school counselor right alongside of you, and I know, I know what you're up against, but I do believe that together we can not only elevate our profession, but we can enjoy the journey along the way. And I'm so glad that you've allowed me to walk alongside you. So I hope this episode was helpful to you. Remember, if you will, go subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating or review. Um, We read everyone with delight and anticipation. We just can't wait to see what you think about what we're putting out, and we so appreciate you. Tune in for the next episode of our School for School Counselors podcast. And until then, I hope you have the best week. Take care, my friend. (laughs) 